Hey, it's Lisa Carlin from Attacking Third to tell you about the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. It's equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend. The Hyundai Santa Fe features available all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, plus available dual wireless charging pads, ensuring that you can take on any adventure. It's ski season, and with the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe, I can easily load the car with all my gear plus my friends in the third row and make it right to the base of the slopes with all-wheel drive. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello and welcome to another episode of Attacking Third, a CBS Sports Soccer Podcast. I'm Sandra Herrera, lead NWSL writer for CBS Sports. Joined today, as always, by my colleague and co-host, Lisa Roman, broadcaster and analyst. On today's episode, we have a special guest today. Quick reminder before we get into the interview, subscribe using YouTube for exclusive interviews whenever we go live at youtube.com slash attacking third. Today's special guest led her team all the way to the NWSL championship final in her first year as an NWSL coach. We are joined by Portland Thorns head coach, Rian Wilkinson. How are you doing today? Very well, thank you. Glad to be here. We are absolutely amped to have you on the show. Your first time here at Attacking Third. You know what? Maybe I shouldn't say amped. I'm going to say I know Lisa and I are still feeling it a little bit. We're a little bit tired from, from DC and being, and being in DC and covering the championship final. Uh, but let's start with that. It's, it's your, it's your first time here on the show chatting with us at attacking third. And it comes at one of the most uh, exciting times for you in the franchise, right after you and the thorns lifted the NWSL championship trophy. How are you feeling? Good. I think I was I was pretty vocal straight away. I'm I'm completely depleted and exhausted in the best possible way. I think I know my players and my staff. We just were fully locked in and focused and um we celebrated winning it properly. It was incredible and then since then we've all been sort of a little bit zombie-like, but only because it's been such a great time, but also how lucky we are to be fated so well. I mean, it's it's just next things, which is great. So many people care here and um, yeah, have made us feel incredibly special. Before we move on to the next things for Portland, I want to I want to bask in the celebration a little bit because I want to know from you what it was like in the locker room post game, what it was like on the flight from D.C. back to Portland, what it was like when you landed in Portland. Describe these scenes for us. I've got to be the worst one to describe. I mean, I uh, was a, a long time on the field afterwards, which was great because people's families were there, their friends, just those moments on the field. 
when the team actually was celebrating, when the whistle went, I actually couldn't get to them. There was so much media around them. So I just sort of went for a little walk, which was kind of nice and just watched it. And that was so special. Um, the locker room I stayed out of for a big chunk of time. It just seemed like a messy place. And uh, I went in there and had a beer poured on my head. So that was the right decision. Um but it's a sacred place, the locker room, and that there's very few times after you win that the players are all together on their own again. And there was media in there, but it was just them celebrating. And then sort of the staff came in a little bit later. Uh, the flight home was easy to describe. Everyone fell asleep, um, exhausted. And we also knew that we were lucky enough to have a lot of fans waiting for us at the airport. So it was um, just a quiet moment, just on the plane, people sleeping, and then just we had more people welcome us home at the airport than a lot of teams get at their games. It just highlights what we have here and how very fortunate we are. And then we get on the bus and we go home and all of a sudden you're in your car and you're like, what just happened? <laughs> so it will take a while to process. And that is important as well. Um, Cause we're, we're now looking back over this season as a tech staff, we've jumped right into our reviews. Um, and then in the next few weeks, we'll start previewing next year. So it begins again. You know, it's uh, it's wild to sort of hear you retell it and just sort of listen to it and play it back in my own mind. And there was a lot of um, historical kind of landmark moments uh, achieved over the postseason, it, let alone this this regular season. Um, a lot of firsts in the NWSL and uh, a lot of uh, individual uh, titles that were individual awards that were handed out and sort of historic in that sense as well. For you, uh, you became just the second woman in NWSL history as, as a woman head coach to win a championship uh, alongside another Thorns legend and Cindy Parlocone. Yeah. Uh, can you chat a little bit with us about um, reaching that sort of milestone just within your first season with the club? Well, I think obviously it's it's very nice. It's exciting. But the problem was it was just Laura Harvey for an extended period of time. So it also highlights that it probably needed more women in coaching positions a little earlier. And I, I do highlight Laura Harvey, who's been around for a long time, who's been putting in the work on an incredible team um, with the rain that she's been working with that just got us at the end of the, the season. So great for our rivalry. Um, you've got Casey Stoney deservedly winning coach of the year what a job she's done with a new franchise and freya as well with la so good for the league i think there's women coaches now that are alongside their their male counterparts and that's that's great i i think probably the biggest problem with the men's game is it's all male coaches and i don't want it to just be female coaches in the women's game but it it did need a, a rebalancing so i'm very glad to get that honor after cindy who did a great job here but uh it shouldn't have taken so long. Yeah, I think that's a really good sentiment to say that it should not have taken so long. Um, but there are a lot of women in positions of power now in the NWSL, even GM Karina LeBlanc for the Portland Thorns. We had the pleasure of speaking with her in D.C., at Audi Field, as soon as she stepped off the player's bus ahead of that championship match, and we asked her, how was the bus ride? And she was like, it was very serious. The players all had their individual music in. They were focused on the game. So I want to know from you, Coach, what was the, the morning before the game, the, the bus ride to the stadium? What was that like for you? What, what was kind of going through your head at that point? Not much. I mean, I'm fairly logical and in, in good ways and bad as well. And for me, my job 
is to prepare them for that game. And the day of a game, pretty much done. Mm-hmm. I'm ready. I have my pregame speech ready. And and the players, what I just try and look for is you can be too serious, you can be too locked in, and you can be too light. And um, it felt really confident, the bus ride. And uh, that's you, you first, you, you can't tell. You can't tell if they have an amazing warm up. That doesn't mean they're going to have a great start to the game. If they have a terrible warm up, it doesn't mean they're going to be awful. It, you just try and get sort of the general mood and vibe. And, and this group, there are definitely been games where I felt like we've been a little bit off. Something just didn't feel right. And I, I, de- I didn't have any of that leading into this one. I just thought, I thought they were really locked in in a healthy way. There was some laughing, a bit of talking, but any game day and any bus ride, that's your personal time. It's before you get to the locker room. And it was a long day. It was a late game. And those are those can be hard to manage because you just have a lot of time to kill. I, I went to a museum. I like a lot of my staff had went for little walks. We just sort of unplugged a bit so that we could be fresh and ready to go for game time. Let's talk about the the game a, a little bit. I mean, the opening five minutes, yeah. Sophia Smith gets a goal. It's like a picture perfect moment for, for the team. Smith hitting the whole world, quite frankly, with her, her celebration, her shrug celebration at that, yeah. at that point in the game, yeah. does, does that at all um, ease perhaps any nerves around the game? If there are any high emotions at that point with such a, such an early and sort of iconic goal at this point? No, my staff and I are pretty process driven. We did talk about the first 10 minutes and Kansas has been starting really strong and what they've been doing is hitting teams and then changing formation. And so we knew that um, that we needed to be competitive and could be competing in those first few minutes. And, you know, Soph pounced on an error and did what Soph does, which is lethal. Um, and especially in those moments, because when it's in our, our buildup, it's really easy to triple team her. Not easy, but there's a focus on her, but when it's transitional moments like that, that's where she finds her space. Um, you know, great finish from her, but it was really down to process. And actually, I, I didn't think we did very well after the goal. I thought we really lost our our composure for a bit. Um, not straight away afterwards, but definitely there were some periods in the first half where I, I wasn't uh, particularly pleased with what we were doing. Um, testament to Kansas. I mean, they're a good team, um, but they... They've been pushing their players. They've had a lot of injuries. And the second half, we made some adjustments tactically. And I thought we we started flying in the second half, hard to get near. And uh, that was more the team that I've seen throughout the year. So that was nice to, nice to know that the second half, we really showed up and put a real exclamation mark on the game. I want to ask about Sophia Smith a little bit more because this is a player that won league MVP, the the championship MVP, and she's young and she's talked a lot about how she wants to be the best player. But you as your as her coach, you get a firsthand seat to what she's doing every day and how she approaches training and games and kind of how she carries herself. And what part of Sophia Smith's game did you see evolve this year with Portland? Yeah, I mean, I know I'm biased, but I really do think Soph earned that MVP award. Alex Morgan, what a phenom. I mean, I understand where the the competition lay, um, but it wasn't her only her goals. Like Alex was was lethal and so is Soph in many ways. But when you attract that much, much attention, um, dra- and it's not just by running in behind, it's the dribbling that she just drags people around. There's a reason we had so many players with so many goals this season. Um, and a lot of it was the work she was doing away from the ball. 
um, or on it to, to bring people out of position and then to, to find her teammates. Um, but you can see that she's still learning that process. The beginning part of the year, people did not know how to stop her. She took up a lot of bandwidth for our oppositions because they had to try and figure out how to stop her in a game, which gave us other opportunities. And now it's us working with her to make sure that we're finding or giving her the right spaces to work from. How do we maybe start her from deeper, from the sides? That's all new for her. She's young. That's frustrating. She wants the game to be black and white and to just go. And a um, big part of my job is to make sure she continues to push her soccer education, um, that we keep her fir firmly on the ground because there's a lot of attention coming at her and she's earned it. But She's also a, a genuinely wonderful young woman who is right at the beginning of her career, and she could easily be the best uh, female player to ever play. And she's learning under a Christine Sinclair and a Becky Sauerbrunn and a Megan Klingenberg and all these phenomenal athletes. And she's taking it all in and she does all the little things. It's nice to see in someone so young. It's, it's That's outside attention. And this is my job. And this is what's going to get me what where I want to go. And she's very good at she's got her eye on the prize and um yeah, grateful for how the coaches she's had and her and her family that have clearly uh, delivered me a wonderful player, but a, a really great person as well. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I love that. Let's stay with that energy a little bit because I do want to ask you about one of those other iconic uh, prolific players that you just mentioned, a Canadian compatriot of yours and Christine Sinclair. Yeah. She uh, announced with enthusiasm uh -huh. that she'll be returning to the Thorns next yeah. year. Here was an exciting announcement. What does an announcement like that from her uh, tell you or tell others on the outside looking in about this team and, and the culture and this franchise moving forward? Well, Christine Sinclair and the Portland Thorns are pretty synonymous. I mean, they go hand in hand. And um, whenever she does choose to retire, this is her home. And uh, she's the future of the club in many, many ways and continues to be on the field right now. But uh, that that partnership, I know, will will be forever um, having that announcement, having her stand there with that trophy, her being a very, very good friend of mine. It's not been easy. It's a tough road. I knew that it was going to be hard to coach friends, but oh, it is hard. Um, but watching her um, standing with her team at the start whistle, wearing that armband and then lifting that trophy was was really special for me just to to have played a part in delivering that to to someone I'm so close to. So that was uh, very cool. There's so many prolific players on this team that you get to coach and work with. I mean, we have to talk about Crystal Dunn months yeah. after giving birth. She's competing, scoring game winning goals in the playoffs. 
fans adore her for the U.S. team for Portland and uh, it's no wonder why. I mean, the skill, the personality and her dedication, her commitment to come back um, and continue to play. But this year, what did you learn from Crystal Dunn or about Crystal Dunn as a person? I, I, well, there are two different, what did I learn this year? A lot about pregnancy and recovery and uh, which was amazing because that is the future of the women's game. And Crystal was fantastic about sharing it, about sharing her frustrations, about things she liked. Um, I mean, Crystal is, is another one. I've been, I don't have just iconic women playing here. I have the best of the best as in players, but also in their leadership and how they communicate and how they help support the young players around them. Um, in all things, they're they're just top class. And Crystal's a part of that. She she brings so much energy and passion and love of the game. Um, she played up until she wasn't comfortable anymore in, in her pregnancy. And we had a wonderful group of people around her, which I think we have the privilege of doing here. I know other teams have reached out to us now, um, other teams in the league, but also in the world that have seen um what she has been able to do. I always put a caveat. I think every pregnancy is very different and every recovery from pregnancy is very different. Um, but Crystal, and it's not about hard work. Yes, she did the hard work. I'm sure everyone does, but she hit her milestone. She was just, she just was just going and who was I to hold her back? Like if she's ready to go, we'll give her some minutes. Okay, she's ready. So we just followed her lead, but also the medical team supporting her. Cause I, I recognize that it would be my job to, rein her in she of course wanted to play if she was in any kind of danger or pushing herself too much and that's where I do have the best high performance team that helped support that making sure that we never went too far pushed her too fast and uh, to have her back was just such a gift you saw our standards and training got pushed um, the energy she brought to the field whenever she got on not just from the fan base but like her teammates because she's a vocal leader we don't have that many She's vocal. She's loud. She gets in great pockets and can't wait to have her for a full season. It's scary. I'm dangerous to think about, <laughs> but that's actually still on the horizon for this Thorns team. And uh, we're getting near the end of the interview. So I, I always like to get a little reflective as well towards the end. And maybe that's where we should, should go next, because what does come next for, for this Thorns team? Right. So you're, you're in the off season, looking ahead to 2023 is as far as you can. Current title holders likely the team that's going to be viewed with the target on their back in 2023. Uh, have some of those conversations already happened? You, you mentioned about the exit interviews or is it, is it just about sort of uh, enjoying the off season at this point, or perhaps a mix of both? No, we're right back into work. I think we, I like being organized. So does my staff. We don't, we want to make sure that we're giving players a lot of clarity as well. This is a special team. It's part of my job is to try and keep it together as much as I can, but understanding that, um, everyone has different needs and wants from their careers, but uh, for the most part, these players have had a wonderful, wonderful season, and um, they're really happy to be representing this club and um, their fan base. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we're already preparing. We're always going to have a target on our back because we're Portland, and um, we're fine with that. I like it. I believe in playing the game and winning, but winning the right way. That's what we talk about. And that comes in um, my playing philosophy, but also in how we interact as people with one another and with the people around us. And um, it's to maintain those standards that never changes from this year to next. 
Um, but it's going to be even harder next year because a lot of players have played incredibly well this year and they've given me leniency for a first year, second year, next year. And, uh, and we've had success. So now what? Well, maintaining it is harder than winning it, but I look forward to that challenge. No truer words I think have ever been yeah. spoken. Let's close out with a little bit of fun then, right? We're talking about challenges. Let's pivot to some fun. We we mentioned off mic and, and bringing it on mic here that we had chatted with a, a few Portland Thorns players during the postseason in the buildup through uh, the NWSL championship final. One of those players that we had on was Kelly Hubley. And uh, similar to her interview, we closed out with a bit of fun. And we talked about her being the the, the one responsible <laughs> team DJ kind of having to, to set the tone and, and stuff like that. And yeah. uh, she, we, we did ask her, we said, well, what about, what about head coach Wilkinson? Like, what would you play if she said, maybe an audio book? When we asked her to give us an audiobook, she, she wasn't too sure. So I want to hear some recs. What are, what are uh, possible um, sort of post-season-y audio books that were on your rotation? I listen to podcasts. I read books. I, audiobooks are are good for for certain things, but um, yeah, I, I, uh, there's a lot of podcasts I listen to, um, including yours, uh, to hear what my teammates or teammates, my players are saying, and you know, just make sure I'm across what Kelly Hubley is spreading. Um, her music is horrendous, and. I would say the team playlist is horrendous. I don't even want to be in the locker room, and. Uh, yeah, but she she's she's so funny. She's a, a huge energy and has had a fantastic year, but uh, it's definitely books for me and podcasts that I'm listening to. So you don't it, you're not adding any music to your playlist? Like what like what would be on your playlist? I don't actually I this is they get gets them every time. I didn't really grow up with music. I'm not a music lover. Um, I enjoy it. I put it on a playlist that's just on my phone every now and then, but, uh, yeah, I'd stay away from it. I'm not, I'd I'd probably listen to older music just, yeah, because it's easy to listen to, but, uh, pretty lame. (laughs) (laughs) Not lame. You're reading, you're listening to podcasts. Yeah. You're You're winning trophies. (laughs) You can't, you can't come on attacking third, call yourself lame, and then say you listen to our podcast, Coach Wilkinson. What yeah. <laughs> well, other than that, I, li- I like Imagine Dragons. I heard them a bit. Oh, like, yeah, they're great. I like them. So that's all I got. Yeah. That Look, just popped into my head. So there we are. DJ Kelly Helby needs to get that on there and to the mix <sighs> for you. Try to include you in that as well. Coach Wilkinson, thank you so much for joining us uh, on Attacking Third. Thank you to all of the listeners listening along and following with the interview. You all can download, follow, and subscribe to Attacking Third wherever you get your podcasts. We're also available as video. So make sure you watch the show on youtube.com slash attacking third. We'll be back for more for Sandra Herrera, Lisa Roman, and Ray Wilkinson. This was Attacking Third. On May 23rd. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? <laughs> Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount Plus.